Right. Well, this morning we continue working through uh, the uh, Sunday School series on biblical counseling issues. And this morning, specifically, we'll be looking at solving marriage problems. So last week we looked at marriage and sort of viewed it from uh, Ephesians 5 and looked at some other texts that show us um, what marriage is to be, um, who it points to as this, this mystery. Um, and we also looked at some, some principles that we can apply in marriage. Again, not only for those who are married, but also for your own ability to help and counsel others and knowing where to go in the scriptures to point uh, people for, for encouragement. Right? So having a, a tongue ready, a mind ready in season to be able to encourage those who might be going through, through these things. And so this morning we'll continue specifically solving marriage problems, conflict resolution and communication. So do you have struggles with communication? Married or not? <laughs> if you do, put your hand up. I do. <laughs> do you have struggles with conflict resolution? I'm sure all of us could attest to that to some degree or another. Um, there's always some form of um, uh, strife, maybe, or a lack of communication um, in all of our relationships. We are fallen people. Um, we're not, we don't always walk uh, according to the wisdom of God and his word. Sometimes we choose our own way. Um, we disregard God and his word. And or sometimes we're trying to discern what is the best way to approach a certain thing. And all of this takes wisdom from the word, prayer and, and guidance by the Holy Spirit. So as we, as we think through these things, um, this goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. Uh, don't, don't see me as having the answers and saying this is what uh, you should do, because I do all these things perfectly. Um, this is me standing under the authority of the word as well and needing this, this wisdom and guidance. So conflict resolution. On your handouts there, you'll, you'll see uh, clean the slate. Conflict resolution, clean the slate. Now let me, let me back up a bit. I'm just going to read Ephesians 4 for us. Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. And you can turn there or you can just listen as I read. Starting in verse 25, it says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you." So of course, there's a lot of instruction there, um, just very practical instruction about how we should um, guard our own hearts against, against anger. Um, the intention of the Christian to want to um, uh, make peace and make things right. 
um, and the follow-up of that intention with prayer and wisdom, um, saying things that are good for building up. So watching how we use our mouths, um, using them for building up and not for tearing one another down. And all this uh, is an obedience and not grieving the Holy Spirit of God um, who has sealed us. And then very practically, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, put them all away. Uh, we're encouraged to put them away because uh, by nature, we want to hold them, harbor them, keep them, use them, do those things. Um, Spirit says here, put them away. And so that's what we'll try to think through as we work through these verses and these points. So first, under clean the slate, get the log out of your own eye. Someone turn to Matthew 7 and read verses 1 through 5 for us. Who wants to read that for us? Right. Kathy, go for it. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you seek the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Right. Thank you. So this is a, a verse that's, I think, probably well known. Um, it's just a, a very common verse, but it's also, I think, probably um, taken out of context by some who would want to use it to say, it's, it's interesting. Uh, when I've heard this verse used, it's often by non-believers, unbelievers who want to tell believers, don't judge. Make sure you don't judge. God, God doesn't judge. Um, but that's, that's not what he's saying here. Um, and he goes you know, uh, on in Matthew 7 and does say judge. But he's saying judge with the right judgment. Judge with uh, uh, proper scales um, in, in this judgment here. So judge not according to our own scales, because we can judge each other wrongly according to our own scales, and think that well, I don't do what they do, they, you know, I must be better off, or I haven't done that thing over there. So we can have wrong scales in judgment, but uh, the Lord is saying judge with proper scales, judge with a right judgment, right? So having a sense of our own um, fallenness, our, our own need for, for Christ, our own need for the Holy Spirit, as we work through relationships and, and conflict, right? The key to your relationship with each other is your relationship with God and vice versa. So you'll see 1 Peter 3, 7 here, which I'll go ahead and read. It says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So this is an interesting verse because it attaches the um, obedience of the husband and how he is towards his wife um, to God, in a sense, and saying, your prayers can be hindered. Um, now, exactly, it, it is some mystery there, at least in, in, to me, um, what, that, what that looks like, um, these hindered prayers, these unanswered uh, prayers, these... Uh, this sort of uh, deafening of the ear to God 
uh, of God to these prayers, the prayers of this husband who does not live with his wife in an understanding way, showing honor to her as the weaker vessel. I remember doing a, doing a study on this and just trying to understand what this verse was saying. And um, the, the language used in this verse uh, sort of has in mind uh, this picture of um, a, a man going to the market and uh, purchasing something from, from the market. And the price he paid for that thing uh, is the price he paid for it. It's, it's, it's fixed. Um, and he takes the thing home. And the idea, is there, idea there is that when he takes the thing away from the market, it doesn't lose its, its value. Like when you drive a car off the lot, a new car off the lot, it, you lose $15,000 in value. Um, here, the, th- the, the price the man purchased for the thing remains the same throughout the time that he has that, that precious possession. In other words, when we are offended by one another, uh, husbands, when, when your wife offends you, you may want to, in your mind, demonize her and look at her like your enemy. She's not, but your own heart may want to turn her into your enemy. The scripture is saying that, no, she remains valuable and her value hasn't shifted or changed um, as you've sort of left, left the market, as you get into conflict and, and other things. Um, showing honor to her, <clears throat> steady remained honor to her as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. All right, so there's something uh, deeper here than just um, guarding your tongue. That, that's important. Uh, but he's, he's saying that there's a, um, an honor that, that is to be shown there, uh, despite circumstance, situation. And then Matthew 5, 23 to 24. Someone want to read those verses for us? Who wants to take those? Matthew 5, 23 to 24. Okay. So leave your gift there and go be reconciled to, to your brother. So this is getting at um, a hypocrisy of one that wants to offer things to, to God, expecting him to receive um, when he is harboring in his heart uh, something against his brother. It's, it said, make that right and then come and offer your gift. God is not fooled, right? He's not, he's not mocked. Uh, he knows, he perceives, he sees, right? <clears throat> uh, point, point two there, focus upon your duties rather than your rights or even expectations. Um, expectations, uh, wrong, uh, uncommunicated expectations in marriage can be uh, damaging and detrimental. There are times when um, we want to approach one another, uh, spouses, even friends and, and family members. I mean, this is even outside of marriage itself. Where we can have expectations of one another, those things are understood or communicated, and we, when the person doesn't meet those expectations, we become angry. And we say, well, you knew I wanted this, or you knew I wanted that, that to happen. Even if it's not communicated, it can just be our own expectations from, I don't know, how we saw our parents' marriage, what, what that looked like, or 
maybe interactions we have with others. And we can say, well, my parents did this. Um, they're not doing that. Something, something's wrong here. And it's, we have these expectations. Um, now, it's good to have good and proper expectations. Um, the woman should expect her, um, her husband to, to love her. Uh, the husband should expect his, his wife to respect him. Those are things that we see in Ephesians 5. Um, but when we have wrong expectations and improper expectations, they can be detrimental and harmful in marriage. So I'm going to turn to James 4 and read verses 1 through 4 for us. Who wants to read those verses? Kidil, go for it. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and do not obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is an enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. All right, thank you. So looking back up at um, verse 2 there, you desire and do not have, so you murder. Actually, I'm going to go back to verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? So... James is, uh, he's, he's, this, this letter is, is looking at these, the, uh, the, the fighting and the quarreling that's happening um, amongst these Christians, something happening externally, they're fighting with each other, and he says, this is because there's something happening in your heart already. So there's already something stirring there, this war of your affections or passions, which is causing you to lash out against others in the way that you're doing. He uses this language, uh, passions, your uh, desire, you desire and do not have. Um, there's a coveting. Uh, these, are, these are things that are taking place in the heart of the man. Verse three, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your, your passions. And then he says, you adulterous people. So he associates this warring of the passions and the way that it's affecting their relationships um, and associating it with um, adultery. And it's, it's adultery, it's, it's against God, ultimately. Um, it's, it's using it's our, our affections and our passions being used in such a way um, to, to sin against our, our brothers and our sisters. Okay, point, point three there. Uh, seek forgiveness where you have wronged your spouse. And then the seven A's of, of confession uh, from the uh, book, The Peacemaker. I may have someone read Proverbs 28, 13, and then we'll work through these different A's of, of confession. Proverbs 28, 13. Who wants that? Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Okay. Uh, in other words, don't hide. Come out of the, the darkness and confess and find in that uh, peace and healing for, for your souls. Uh, this, is, this is a good thing the Lord has given us for our own care. 
Now, looking at these, the seven A's of, of confession. First, address everyone involved in the sin. Address everyone involved. Now, the context here or the study is, is marriage, but um, if there are others, others involved, addressing everyone involved in the, in, in the uh, forgiveness and the reconciliation. Uh, two, avoid if, but, and maybe words. So don't excuse your wrongs by saying, well, I did that because you did this. Or if you wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have done this. Um, well, sure, I think I can do that, you know, but maybe if you did this, then it would be easier for me to do that. So all that type of language, it, it excuses you. You are you're, you're sort of pushing it out on the other person as opposed to owning um, your part in the uh, conflict and the, and, the, and the problem there. So we don't want to be people who um, hide, again, and, and, and blame shift, right? We want to be people who are, um, who are open and confessing and are willing to uh, see and confess our own wrongs. Uh, third there, admit specifically where you were wrong. Um, when we confess our sin, it is saying the same thing about our sin that God does. So we don't want to um, lighten it. We don't want to use flowery language to make it look better than it actually is. We want to be genuine and, and honest and think through. And sometimes it takes time to do that. Sometimes you can be offended and you don't even know why you're offended. You just know that you're hurt and you're trying to think through why, why did I respond that way? Why did, why did I lash out like that? And, and it's okay to take that time to think through those things with prayer and asking the Lord to reveal your own, own heart to you. you. You who know me, help me to discern why I responded that way. And it's not always easy to see that, but we can pray and the Lord can give help and grace uh, for us to identify those things so that we can go back and say, you know what? When, when we were talking earlier, I responded this way, and I did that because uh, this is something that I've been struggling with in my own heart, and confessing those things, and having that humility that's willing to do that. Um, next here, acknowledge the hurt. So express the sorrow for hurting the other person, even if you think that their hurt is not justified. Right, so that could be something that's easy to do where we say, well, you're just way too sensitive. Like, you really shouldn't be responding that way to, to what I said. Um, so we're not, we're not acknowledging the hurt of, of the person. We're just sort of brushing it off and not showing kindness and, uh, and uh, patience with them. We want to acknowledge the hurt. Um, I'm, I'm still trying to understand, um, you know, what about what I said was hurtful, but I do apologize that it did affect you that way. Even if you can't always see it or think it's, it's justified, uh, that's a way to show kindness to the person that we're, we may be in conflict with. So express sorrow for the hurt. Next there, accept the consequences. So whatever those consequences may be for the sin that we committed. We have to be willing to, to accept them. 
I'm willing to embrace them and ask the Lord, of course, for uh, forgiveness, repent to God before that person. And then whatever needs to be done to make that thing right, we have to be willing to do it, to sort of walk through that, that process. Um, next here, alter your behavior. Change your attitude and actions. Yes, we're called to forgive our brother, 70 times seven. Um, what that doesn't mean is that the one who is offending <clears throat> can say, yeah, you know, I'm gonna try and change. Um, they don't give thought to what that looks like. They don't pray about uh, the spirit helping them to change, but they go and then they do it, do it again. Um, and they say, okay, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm working on that. You know, forgive me, please forgive me. Then they go and do it again. They say, man, I'm really, I'm really working on this. Please forgive me. And they go. Now, the person may be trying to perceive in their own heart and discern the ways in which they're sinning against this person who's saying, you keep doing this. Um, there's a difference between that and someone who is um, flippant and loose when they say, please forgive me. And they're not actually looking at themselves to see ways that they can change their behavior. Right? So those are two different uh, types of, of approaches. And then I, I noted here, uh, just doing this with, with prayer. So we don't always perceive and see ourselves like we should. And so we can ask the Holy Spirit, um, help me to see in myself ways in which I'm dropping the ball, things that are sort of outside of my own perception of, of myself and being open to that and asking the spirit for, for help in those areas. And then lastly there, the seventh A, ask for forgiveness. Um, we know this, but this is a, a part of resolution, asking the person that we've offended to forgive us um, and um, asking them if there's anything that we could, we could do moving forward so that we don't uh, offend them in certain ways. Um, or sin against them. So th these are things that we want to keep in mind as we think through conflict resolution, yes, in marriage, uh, but even outside of marriage and, and, and all these areas that we might find ourselves in conflict. So thoughts on that before we jump to, to point B here. Yeah. What is that? What would you say that looks like time-wise? Like you go through these processes, or what yeah, are yeah. Well, it depends on what it is. Um, and when I say that, I don't mean that um, we can be slow and uh, dragging our feet to to reconcile. Uh, there is the principle of not letting the sun go down on your anger. Um, the the principle there is. Be intentional and desirous to reconcile as quickly as is possible. Right? So it depends on it depends on what it is. It's hard to say, um, you know, in each context because it may it, it may look different. Um, the the intensity of the conflict, um, the closeness of the people. Um, you know, do, do they live in another state? Do you go to the same church? Do you guys just work together? Um, there, there are a lot of factors there that could determine the, the, the length of time there. But the principle, and whatever the length of time ends up being, the principle there is 
strive with intention to do it as quickly as possible for the sake of, well, the glory of God and your fellowship with the person. And so there's, a, there's an intentionality there. So um, yeah, I, I, would, I would say that. But it's hard to say exactly how long it should take um, without specific, yeah, no, that yeah, that yeah. so yeah. Any other questions, thoughts? Okay, so point B, grant forgiveness when you have been wronged. Number one there, you have no choice. <laughs> um, we must forgive. Uh, the, the, the person or the Christian that refuses to forgive, uh, that's saying more about their own heart than it is about the one who offended them. Um, we, we can't hold forgiveness sort of in a box with, with the key. Um, and as a person is expressing repentance and asking for forgiveness, we say, no, no, you haven't, uh, you haven't done enough, you haven't shown enough, you haven't, haven't proven enough. Um, Ephesians 4.32, uh, forgive uh, in light of God who for the sake of Christ forgave you. So there's a, um, there's a, there's a, um, a command there and that and an expectation for the Christian to forgive. You know, someone, someone might say, well, how, well, can you forgive someone who hasn't asked for repentance? Can, can you forgive someone who doesn't say, please forgive me? Um, I say, absolutely you can. <laughs> you may not have um, relational reconciliation, but in your heart, you can have a peace between you and God and um, in your heart towards that person. Now that relationship may not look the same. It may not ever get back to maybe what it was before or you know, maybe what you would hope it would be, but you can in your heart forgive someone. And you can do it genuinely in, as, as unto the Lord. So you have no choice. Um, we're familiar with Matthew, Matthew 6, but I'll turn there, turn there anyway. <clears throat> so Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This isn't um, making salvation a, a works-based uh, system. Uh, this is saying that uh, someone who has received forgiveness uh, has a disposition to want to freely forgive. And someone who harbors um, unforgiveness and willfully with, withholds that um, it says something about, about their heart. It may say that they're not in the Lord. It may say that they are in the Lord and they're um, not walking in obedience. Either way, it is a disobedience to not forgive. Um, two there. Forgive as God has forgiven you freely and unconditionally. Now, in what sense does God remember our sins no more? Let's take a look at Jeremiah 31, 34. Someone turn there and whoever gets there first, go ahead and read it for us. Jeremiah 31, 34. Now we want to think, of, think as, as we read through this, in what sense does God remember our sin 
no more. I got it. 31, 30, 34? Go for it. Yep. They will not teach again, each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they will allow me from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Okay. Now, what does it look like for the Lord to remember their sin no more? We, we know that God is, is all-knowing. He's uh, omniscient, omnipotent, all-wise. All uh, he doesn't forget what does the Lord's um, forgiveness look like? I'll give you a clue. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Here's another. <clears throat> um, where is it? Psalm 51, 1 and 2. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. As you hear these, what, what, what is the Lord's uh, not remembering um, their sin, uh, our sin, look like? Another clue, Psalm 32, 2. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. So there's, there's gospel principle here. But what I'm getting at is that the Lord doesn't forget the Lord's remembering our sin no more is him not counting them against us, him not treating us according to what our sins deserve. You see that language in Psalms as well. Um, when we are showing forgiveness to one another, it is not that the person who sinned against us hasn't sinned. It's not that we weren't hurt by it either. It's not counting that against them any longer. That's what forgiveness looks like. Uh, we, don't, we don't hold it over their head. So when they, when they come around, all we can see is the sin that they committed against us. And I, I understand that in some seasons, with some people, that may be harder than, than with others. But it is a striving to that, that end, not holding these things against them. <clears throat> you have sinned against me. It does hurt. I do feel it. Um, and, I'm, and I'm struggling with it even now, but I'm not going to um, count this or hold this against you if that person has expressed um, repentance. Uh, three, the four promises of forgiveness, again, from, from the peacemaker. And I, I talked about this a little last week, but we'll look at it again. I will not think about the incident the person who sinned against me. In other words, I won't rehearse what they did to myself. I won't continue to replay the scene in my heart and sort of feed my anger on that, that thing that, 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 that happened. I will not think about the incident. <clears throat> to there, I will not bring this incident up or use it against the person. 
So we don't bring it up to ourselves. We don't bring it up to the person to use it against them. Remember when you did this the last time? Uh, and remember when you did that, or rehearsing the incident, um, when there's already supposedly have been reconciliation, but we bring it up again against, against the person. We don't want to do that. <clears throat> Three there, or the, the, the third point, I will not talk to others about the incident. So if we have expressed, uh, if there's uh, repentance, forgiveness, we don't uh, go then after that and say, let me tell you what so-and-so did and sort of uh, harbor that. And usually when we do that, we want to uh, uh, sort of rehearse the narrative from our perspective to sort of um, you know, get people to sort of see things our way. And we, and we don't want to do that either. Um, <clears throat> fourth there, I will not allow this incident to stand between us or hinder our relationship. Uh, again, assuming that there's been reconciliation here and conflict resolution. Um, you don't want to continue to allow that situation to, to cause a sort of rift or distance in between the two parties involved. <clears throat> and these, these things, again, uh, take time. I, I don't want to go through these as if I'm talking to a room full of, full of robots. We are, we are people. We have thoughts. We have affections. We struggle. Uh, in different areas with different things. Um, something that may be a light thing to another person for you could be something that uh, just rips up your whole week and you're trying to work through those things. All of these with prayer. Ask the Lord, help me to discern my own heart. Um, show me where I may be withholding forgiveness. Show me where I need to repent. And uh, be, be, be humble and submit yourself to the Lord and his word and his authority. Um, and walk through these things as, 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 as humans. We, we don't want to be callous um, and unfeeling, uh, but we want to recognize that the Lord has made us uh, creatures, body, uh, and soul, and uh, these things aren't always easy to work through. But these are principles here that, that help us, okay? Okay, so any, anything, any questions or comments on B before we go to C? Yep, go for it. Um, briefly, how would you, you have an offense against someone or there's some sort of issue and you're seeking counsel. What would be your advice about going about that? Um, well, think about uh, a multitude of uh, counselors. There's a wisdom in a multitude of counsel. So um, involvement, so I would say one, and we've talked about this in past classes, Talking to people uh, that are wise, that you can trust, um, that are going to be objective, um, not just sort of your, you know, your, your best friend, um, it, although it may be, but talking to someone who can be objective and tell you what you need to hear even if you don't want to hear it, who can tell you, well, I think you were wrong in this area and I think the other person may you know, be right in this area. So, so talking to someone that you trust, someone who is wise. Um, you know, if it's more than one person, you may talk to one person, you may talk to, talk to two just to have sort of some different perspectives on it. So I would say that that's, that's good as you try and work through reconciliation with the person. Um, because I think that counsel, if it is wise counsel, will um, help you to think through your own heart and uh, the, the other person. And I would say go to someone who knows the scriptures and is wise and, and mature. Um, 
as soon as you're, you're able to do that. Um, and be willing to humble yourself to their counsel, their wisdom, and that, that process. Yeah. Any other thoughts, questions? Okay, let's jump to C. All right, keeping short accounts. Keeping short accounts. Someone read Ephesians 4, 26 to 27 for us. Ephesians 4, 26 to 27. Who wants to read that? Barani, go for it. Okay, so this verse is, again, this principle of be desirous um, and quick to want to reconcile for the sake of uh, uh, the, the glory of God and your relationship with this person. And then, and then it connects a slowness to that with giving a wider door for the devil to come in. Right, so there's a, there's a quickness to that that is actually keeping the evil one at bay. Right? And there's a, snow, a, a slowness to that that um, allows for Satan to, to uh, work. So don't let the sun go down on your anger. Now, I should say, um, I don't believe that what this means is um, one spouse says, I need time to sort of work, work through my own heart and figure out why, why I'm offended. And the other spouse says, no, it's almost 7.30. The sun is about to, we got to solve this now. Or more practically, we can't go to bed tonight unless this is solved. And the desire to reconcile becomes this, uh, this uh, choking hazard in the relationship where they say, now, now, now. And they end up beating the person over the head trying to uh, with this principle, don't let the sun go down on your anger. I don't think that's what this is referring to. That could be um, harmful and abusive. But we, 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 we want to have a diligence and desire to reconcile this as quickly as possible. But we also want to have a proper sensitivity to the person who we may be in conflict with. All right, so don't, don't use this verse as, a, as, a, as handcuffs and end up, you know, restraining and restricting, but uh, take it for what it is, uh, discern here what that should look like. The intention is to reconcile as quickly as possible. Um, number two, under keeping short accounts, beware of letting a root of bitterness spring up. So Hebrews 12, 15. I'll go ahead and read that since I'm close. Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. So it's interesting that the language here in Hebrews 12, 15 is, it seems to be more communal. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. Um, in other words, have some eye to one another as we try and come alongside each other in reconciliation and guarding from roots of bitterness. All right, so there's a sort of communal aspect there. 
Okay, down to D there. Well, any thoughts, questions before I, before I go to D? Okay. Learn to control anger. Now, there's a few verses here, but uh, let me have someone read Proverbs 29, 11. And then Proverbs 15, 1. Who wants 29, 11? All right, and then 15, 1. Miriam, okay. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, it says um, in, in some translations. Um, he, he, he doesn't have self-control. And then Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Okay. So again, there, um, watching our tongue um, and uh, knowing that what we say can either sort of uh, be ice on a fiery situation and cool it down a bit, or it could turn up the temperature from two to, to eight. Uh, we want to watch how we, how we talk and how we, how we communicate. Um, number one there, neither vent your anger nor bottle it up. Uh, attack the problem instead of people. When we're offended, the first thing I think we're probably inclined to do is to attack the uh, character of the person. Um, and we want to use language like, you always do this, you always, you always do that. Um, and we can, we can explode. I remember um, uh, uh, Pastor Jack, when Korean and I went through our, our uh, premarital counseling with him, he used this term, he said, some people uh, clam up and some people blow up. Um, you know, and then he would ask, well, which one are you? You know, some of us are clam up people. Some of us are blow up people. When, when some of us, when we're offended, we sort of want to retreat and um, just have have space. I just need to work through this by myself. Other people, they, they get offended and they just start raging or yelling, or they, they raise their voice or they they pound, you know, the the, the table. Um, and all and we fall in those categories and everything in between. We all handle our frustrations and our anger differently, right? But we don't want to be clam up people, and we don't want to be blow up people. We want to be self controlled people who are thinking, reasoning, um, uh, not allowing our affections, or our passions, or, or or our emotions run away from us in the heat of the moment. Um, and we want to keep our eye on the, the, um, the issue that is causing the, the rift in the relationship. We don't want to be slanderous people who just attack the person but never actually get to the core of the, of the problem. This, again, takes discernment and wisdom. We don't always perceive what the problem is. Um, and we need to pray that the Lord would help us in that. Uh, two, I've mentioned it, but learn self-control. The legitimate use of... Pause, stop, time out. Um, uh, Proverbs uh, 25, 28 says, uh, a, man, a man without self-control is like a, a city without walls or a house left to break into. Um, Proverbs uh, 17, 14. <clears throat> I'll go ahead and read that. Proverbs 17, 14 says, the beginning of strife is like letting out water, 
So quit before the quarrel breaks out. So know when to, to stop and to pull back and to say, okay, maybe now is not the best time for us to talk. I'm, I'm very angry um, and I know if we could keep talking like this, you know, I'm gonna say something that um, I, I shouldn't say or something sinful. So know when to pull back, that's okay. Um, to give yourself that space and that time to say time out. I need to sort of pray and, and work through these things. And then we'll talk again. And then go and talk again. That, that's not an excuse to say, you know, I, I don't want to talk. But give yourself that time if that's what you need. If you know your own personality and you know yourself, give yourself that time and then go back, go back and talk. Um, three, understand the difference between righteous and unrighteous anger. <clears throat> righteous and unrighteous anger. Um, so righteous anger. We got a couple minutes here. I'll, I'll close in section D and then you can work through section E um, later. Um, but righteous anger. Jesus was always angry at the right time and never angry at the wrong time. So his anger was always right and proportionate to whatever the situation he was in. We've seen, we've seen Jesus angry. When he was speaking with, with the hypocrites, um, he, would, he would use strong language. Um, we, uh, we see uh, in John 2, uh, it says, uh, zeal, Jesus you know, flips tables and uh, drives out these money changers, and it says, zeal for your house has consumed me. Um, there's, a, there's a righteous and right anger there. Numbers 25.11 talks about uh, Phineas, who, um, after the people of Israel um, commit uh, adultery and idolatry, um, they are together encamped um, before uh, the, the tent of meeting. And uh, as they're talking about these issues within the camp in Israel, these men taking wives from these neighboring nations around them, um, a man comes in with a woman and goes into his tent and it says, Phineas struck the man. He pierced him through. He pierced both the man, the Israelite man, and the woman from the foreign nation through. And scripture says that he shared the Lord's jealousy in his judgment. And so there's a, there's a, there's a, righteous, a righteous anger there. I'm not saying go and start piercing people through, stabbing them with spears. I'm saying that the principle there is that there is a right anger and there's a wrong anger. There's a righteous anger and an unrighteous anger. Um, and ask for wisdom to discern between the two and fill your mind with scripture so that it's saturating your affection so that you can perceive the difference. Um, lastly here, deal with the heart of your anger. Um, again, confession is saying about our sin what, what God says about it. So well, we don't want to be superficial um, hypocritical, just sort of going through through the motions, but we want to deal with the heart of, of our anger. Why? Um, what does the scripture say about how I'm feeling? Um, how have I disobeyed God's word or sinned against this, this person, whoever it is? Um, and take some time. It can be the hardest thing to do sometimes um, to, to work through our own hearts. It can be exhausting to try and figure out what's down there and why we did what we did and said what we said and responded the way we did. But it's necessary for us to do if we do want to be 
um, godly, wise, and discerning people, we have to do that legwork of searching out our own hearts. Um, that's, that's, that's good for us. Okay? So I'm going to stop there for the sake of time. I did want to give us at least a couple minutes for any more questions, comments. Questions or comments or thoughts? All right. Well, you can work through um, that last, it was E. There are steps to confronting sin. Uh, overlook minor offenses. Step two, talk in private. Step three, take one or two others along. Step four, tell it to the church. Step five, treat them as an unbeliever. That, that's walking through the process, um, or one discipline process of, of Matthew 18. Um, that, that is a formal discipline process, but you can take a look at that when you get a chance. Um, so if we don't have any other questions or comments, I'll go ahead and pray for us, okay? Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would instruct us, um, help us to uh, be people who are desirous and quick to uh, want to resolve um, conflict and um, Lord, keep the evil one at, at bay. Uh, we know that uh, Satan, who uh, he roams to and fro, um, seeking someone to, to devour. He's <clears throat> seeking for opportunities to cause um, rifts and tears and dysfunction. Um, and I pray that you would um, guard your church the universal church, guard FBC specifically, locally, um, from these things, Lord. Let us be a people who uh, love your glory um, and your word more than our own glory. Um, uh, make us to be people who are humble, who are gentle, who are patient, who are wise and um, reasoning and uh, strong uh, thinkers and um, uh, deep feelers and uh, saturated with the scriptures so that we would be able to um, work through conflict in a way that is honoring to you. Uh, Maybe be a church and a people who are unified um, and striving for unity, striving to preserve the unity um, and, that, and, the, and the peace and, and the bond of peace by the Spirit. Uh, Lord, bless us now as we go into to the sanctuary. Um, uh, may you be pleased with our worship as it is offered to you uh, Lord, sanctify it by your Holy Spirit, accepted um, on the merits of Christ, Lord, and bless us, feed us with all the nutrients you intend to give us through the means of grace for our soul's care. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>